The end times are upon us and difficulty surrounds us. But how are we to live in the midst of it all? Know this, Aurora, Colorado, the United States, and anyone tuned in around the world. Difficult times will come in the last days. Very perilous. And I think we have to come to the conclusion, church, that as hard as things get, things are going to get harder for believers, not easier. And I know that there's that sense where we desire to have things uh, ease up and get easier. And in some respects, God is going to honor that and bless us. However, things will get harder. We can face the difficulties by faith. This is amazing grace. Difficult, perilous, and challenging times. That could be the headliner for the year 2020. I'm sure you'd agree. But it's also the title we've given for today's message from Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. At the end of the book that bears his name, Daniel is writing about the end of the world. And so we thought we'd take this time to pause and consider what the Bible as a whole has to say about the end of the age. We'll take you to 2 Timothy chapter 3, which lays out some of the signs we should be looking for. Here's Pastor Ed. Take your Bibles again, open them to Daniel chapter 12. And if you want to get ahead, go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Daniel chapter 12, 2 Timothy chapter 3. As we wind down this study in Daniel, notice with me in verse 1. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. We've been studying Daniel in the NLT. And I'll go back and forth, New King James, NLT through this time. But notice in verse 1. At that time, Michael the archangel, who stands guard over your nation, will arise. And there will be a time of anguish greater than any, any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end, when many will rush here and there, and knowledge will increase. Jump down to verse 9. But he said, Go now, Daniel, for what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined by these trials. But the wicked will continue in their wickedness, and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. The title of our Bible study today is Difficult, Perilous, and Challenging Times. And as we close up the book of Daniel together, we're reminded of that, we're, that Daniel was writing about the end of the age and the end of the world. It's not a popular topic. Not many people want to face the reality of seeing the world wind down. Even though it's not popular, it's one that's very evident. I'm not typically a gloom and doom preacher. I want to be able to share the truth. I want the truth to stir us into love and righteousness. But as we look at some of these things, it can be very discouraging. 
I love to study the Word of God. I love to teach the Word of God in spirit and in truth. I love to encourage the abundant life, abiding life in Christ. But we also have to have our eyes wide open, the time of the end. The time of the end of world history, heading into the great tribulation period. And so we're pausing for the next few weeks of looking at the attributes that the Bible teaches us on the end of the age. And it's good to pause and remember, even as, now hold your places and go over to 2 Timothy now, chapter 3, because Timothy was in a time in his life wrestling with the reality of the last days. And might I remind you that the last days began on the day of Pentecost. The last days began on the outpouring, at the moment of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That I believe every generation, it was intended by God for every generation to live with the expectancy of the soon return of Jesus Christ. Not to relegate it to another generation, to our kids or our grandkids or our great-grandkids, but to live with the urgency and that essence of the imminent return of Christ. That it can happen at any moment. And Timothy lived in such a time, and he lived in such a time with great difficulty. Pick up with me in chapter 3, verse 1 of 2 Timothy, where Paul the older, or the elder, is writing to the young leader, Timothy. And he says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, or in your New King James, perilous times. Very difficult. For people will only love themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They'll consider nothing sacred. They'll be unloving, unforgiving. They'll slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Verse 4, they'll betray their friends and be reckless and be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They'll act religious, but they'll reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that, verse 6. They're the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. These teachers opposed the truth just as Jans and Jambres opposed Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith. They won't, they won't get away with it for long. Someday everybody will recognize what fools they are, just as it was with Janus and Jambres. Know this, Timothy. Know this, church. Know this, Aurora, Colorado, the United States, and anyone tuned in around the world. Difficult times will come in the last days. Very perilous. And I'm sure that Timothy, he lived with the sense that he was in the last days. This was written in a time with Nero raging, Christians being martyred, hiding out, gathering underground. Surely the church is believing that this was the time. The coming of the Lord was at hand. But Paul points out that as bad as it was, it's going to get harder. And it's going to get more difficult. And I think we have to come to the conclusion, church, that as hard as things get, things are going to get harder for believers, not easier. 
And I know that there's that sense where we desire to have things uh, ease up and get easier. And in some respects, God is going to honor that and bless us. However, things will get harder. We can face the difficulties by faith. And I believe Paul and Timothy, Peter, John, the apostles, the believers lived as if the rapture would happen in his lifetime, in their lifetime. That was their expectation and their hope. And I hope it happens in my lifetime. I hope you hope it happens in your lifetime, that you would expect the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Would the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ solve your problems, yes or no? Yes, of course it would. Now, it's a bittersweet thing, right? Because we have people that we love. We have people that we care for that haven't repented of their sins. And so there's a little, like, like, I want the Lord to come. I want to be in eternity. I'm looking forward to being in the presence of the Lord. I'm looking forward to being reunited with those that I love. I'm looking forward to it. But there's that sense of, but, but wait, Lord, just a little bit longer. Wait, Lord, I want to experience this. And how life and life's burdens and the cares of this life can take away our hope. The end times are upon us. And difficulty surrounds us. You know, often I'm asked, well, wait a minute, Ed. If every generation lived with the expectation that Jesus was going to return, then what about those that thought he would return in their lifetime and he didn't? Well, even though he didn't come as they thought and they lived, listen, even though they, Jesus, each generation that was waiting for the coming of the Lord and he didn't come before they passed on into eternity. Listen, their desire to live with the urgency of Christ's return impacted their lives and it changed them. And it brought about a depth of holiness and commitment in their lives where they lived for eternal things, not just simply for the here and now. And you say, well, what if I'm waiting for the Lord and I don't get to see the rapture? Well, if you don't get to see the rapture, you're going to get to see Jesus Christ face to face, one way or another. And our hope is his return because Jesus keeps his promises. Listen, if you want to live a zealous, fulfilling, exciting kind of Christian life, then look for the coming of the Lord day by day. You can wake up every morning and go, Lord, is it today? Is it today? Is it now? It will change you and everyone around you. He says in verse 1, very difficult. Or you could circle that word and write next to it, perilous. Very difficult. The word means fierce. Fierce times. Hard times. Difficult to bear up under. These are coming, Paul says. You know this, Timothy. In the last days, it's going to be really hard. And it's going to be very difficult. And how does he measure it? He measures it in relationship to people. He measures the spiritual reality and the spiritual difficulties in relationship to the behaviors of people. That when you see the end times, you're going to see people flip out. You're going to see people change. You're going to see evil run more rampant. You're going to see that there are some that are actually counterfeit believers. And it was the end times in the last days that served to, re to reveal that. And as you, read through the, as you read through the list here, it's like a typical, uh, a typical reading through a day of, on the Drudge Report of the things that you're reading and the difficulties that are going on. And this is happening over here and this guy's ripping off over there and this guy's happening. This guy's taking advantage. And on, you, you read these things boastful and proud and scoffing at God. It's like a day-by-day -day linear, you know, going through the news together. 
But as we read through these, there are commas separating each event, but I don't know that, that Paul wanted it to be said that way. You know, in the original Greek, there isn't any commas. There isn't, there, they, it just reads straight through. And as you read it straight through, you're like, wow, one after another, after another, after another. We see these things in our own society. Notice, people, verse 2, will be lovers of themselves. And that was the topic of our study just this weekend. How narcissistic behaviors have entered into all of our lives. Whether we like it or not. That self-centeredness, selfishness has entered into our lives pretty rapidly. It's easy to point the finger at our culture, and it's easy to point the finger at others, but, but as my pastor taught us, when you point the finger, you always got three coming right back at you. You can try it. You can point and you go, wow, I got three fingers pointing right back at me. It's not the culture that I'm responsible for. What I'm responsible for is my life. And it's much easier. It's kind of convenient to be a judge on culture. But what do you expect from a culture that's turned their back on God? What do you expect from a culture that doesn't value life? What do you expect from a culture that's separated from God and walking in blindness? No, what we have control over is what do you expect from a born-again believer? What do you expect from a born-again believer in these last days? Paul's warning Timothy, don't be overly discouraged when you start to see these things. It's a sign of the last days. And so let's go through them one by one. Verse 2. People will love only themselves. And that's where it all begins. Self-focus. Secondly, they'll be lovers of money. And you'll find that there's a rise in covetousness. And money becomes a goal and a passion. It becomes an all-consuming desire. The desire for more stuff and more things. And you can see that in a very real way by the amount of storage units that are being built all over now, there's a piece of property over on 470 in Gartrell. Of course, you guys listening in from somewhere else, you don't know where that is. But south of us, there's a piece of property there that was once owned by a church. I think it was about 8 or 10 acres. It was once owned by a very large church in Aurora. And unfortunately, the enemy got in, destroyed that church, scattered them. You know what's on that property today? Storage units. Well, a property that was dedicated with the tithes and offerings of a church... And it still belonged to the new church. There's a church that that church grew out of. But they ended up selling it. And now you can drive by it. You can see it's right on the side of the road. It's a storage unit. And it just seems to be a symbolism of something that whatever was going on in that church, and I don't actually know all the details. I just know there was massive division and, and it disintegrated. And a piece of property that there was going to be a church on, uh, a church right next to that, that, uh, that Mormon building there, that Mormon building had right next door was going to be a massive church and its storage units today. And how to store, why do we keep building more storage units? Why, why do we need them? Well, because money leads to things, leads to a need of space. Things begin to control our decisions. You don't need a storage unit for that. Things begin to control decisions. Our personal consumer debt increases. And then life revolves out of getting her out of debt so that we can spend more. Our culture. You know, as we make assessments on people in the last days, we need to be careful for those characteristics not to enter into our life. Notice he says in verse 2, they'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God. Scoffing at God in the New King James is blasphemers. 
In the last days, the songs of the culture will reflect that. The best-selling books will reflect that. The, the cable television shows, things on YouTube. Blasphemy will be on the lips of politicians, will be on the lips of movie stars, be on the uh, lips of the elite of society. Not only that, but next, notice, in the last days, there'll be those that are disobedient to parents. Disobedient to parents. There'll just be a, a, a general rebellion among the youth, running wild with no restraint. The youth being under the influence of culture, being under the influence of substances, and yes, being under the influence of self. He says, notice, uh, not only disobedient to parents, but they'll be ungrateful. They'll consider, verse 2, nothing sacred. They'll be unloving and unforgiving. Unloving and unforgiving. And they'll slander others and have no self-control. In the old King James, which we haven't read, many of us haven't read in a long time, but I jotted a note down. In the old King James, unloving is translated without natural affection. And you see what's happening today with the rise of child abuse and child neglect and abortion, parents abandoning their children, the kids in the foster care system continue to increase. There's without natural affection. You see in a culture that just begins to choose self. Again, you can jot it down in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 tells us that the culture around the last days will be filled with people that leave their natural affection. So a rise in homosexuality and lesbianism and a rise in the confusion that comes alongside of abandoning God's definition of men and women and marriage. Then they'll be unforgiving and there'll be a hardness of heart. Uh, today you could translate that word, there'll be a sense of irreconcilable differences, which by the way is one of the most popular reasons why divorce exists today. He says, why do you want to get a divorce? Well, we just, uh, we're just irre irreconcilable differences. Even in the church, as we were having appointments after appointments after appointments before this whole thing went down, some of the hardest, most difficult things our pastors are hearing was just before these things are closing down. And just couples coming in, but they really don't want to work on it. It's grateful couples are coming in, but like they're just wanting to devour one another. One of the most difficult couples I ever sat down with, I have in my mind a photographic memory of them sitting in my office and the wife just describing all of the illicit sinful things she did. I just had to, I had to stop her. She was crushing her husband. She had no desire to reconcile. And it just comes from a hard heart. We live in a society filled with hard hearts. And like society, you know, this, the, the, the world like, like dirt, you know, you walk out barefoot, your feet are going to get dirty. Living in this culture, you're going to get dirtied by this culture. That's why the Bible speaks of, and I love this with husbands and wives, but I think in a general sense, the Bible speaks of being washed with the water of the word to shake it off. I mean, you pick it up, but you got to shake it off. You dust the feet, you, you dust off the dirt off the bottom of your feet, and you go, no, I'm not going to live for this world. I'm not going to live like this world because it's going to get worse and worse in the last days. Notice back, it says they're going to be unloving, unforgiving, and they're going to slander others. Been, you no need to answer this, but have you been slandered lately? I'll answer it for you. I have. That seems like a daily occasion. Somebody saying something about Ed. That's one of the reasons I'm not on Facebook anymore. I don't want to hear or see what you say about me when you slander me. Because anybody that would do that on social media and know how to get a hold of me, I, I don't have time for that. 
I ain't got no time for that. <laughs> lighten up the room a little bit. You guys just lighten up. But the last days, I mean, let me just say this by a, by a yes or no, and you guys online, yes or no, you guys listening on Grace FM, have I, are, you, are you convinced yet that we're in the last days? Yes or no? Okay, well, we'll just end the Bible study and head out. No, 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 because we're not done. Slanders without self-control. And it's just part of the end times. Just people beating each other up. People taking each other out. People in high levels of position of authority thinking that it's okay as a model to slander one another for political purposes or any other purposes for that matter. Notice, they'll have no self-control. Now we know in the Bible that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. So apart from the Spirit, it's very difficult to practice self-control. Not impossible, just difficult. But notice, this is, a, this is a picture of the last day's culture. So the last day's culture is going to be out of control. And certainly it is today. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. He's leading a study from Daniel. You can find our studies online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And they're accessible through our app, too. Do a search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. Here in the month of December, we picked out a timely resource we think you'll enjoy and get a lot out of. It would even make a great Christmas gift. It's called The Case for Christmas. So who was in the manger that first Christmas morning? Not everyone agrees on the answer to that. If he was the divine son of God, how do you know for sure? Well, Lee Strobel investigates in The Case for Christmas, and we'll send it to you when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. Please make your request by phone at 877-30-GRACE. Also remember that it's through your support that we're able to bring Abounding Grace to your radio station every day. With your help, countless thousands of people are hearing the truth of God's Word all over the nation and world. At a time in human history when they really need to hear it, too. We can be reached toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Or you can make a donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, 2020 has been a hard year for many. And you've written a book of hope and encouragement for the heavy-hearted. Now, is this book for everyone? And is there a personal connection that inspired you to write this? You know, Larry, this is a special project that we've been working on for some time, and we're very happy that it's finally come out in print form. This book is really for everyone, uh, whether you're in the midst of a trial right now or not, whether you're in the midst of a difficulty, whether it's deep, 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 or it's just beginning, whether it's knocked the wind out of you, or it is a passing trial, this is a resource you got to get into your hands and give it away to a friend, because I know the Holy Spirit will use it in your life. Is it connected to something? It is. Uh, the, the idea of this book uh, began uh, as we were in the hospital, but even before our oldest son died, while he was in a coma, and so many of the decisions uh, surrounding his life were taken out of our control, out of Marie and I, uh, his parents' uh, control. And uh, we were just in the throes of difficulty and sorrow and fear and uh, all of that. It was horrible. And then, of course, unfortunately, Eddie passed away and, you know, going through the wrestling with grief. Uh, so the, the book came to me uh, through a series of Bible studies I wanted to share with our church. I wanted to minister 
out of pain and then taking those and editing them and writing through and sharing a little bit of the story and just taking the Bible and letting it come through a life. And so it is connected. I mean, that's not the only trial that we've experienced, even some of the ongoing trials that seem to never end, uh, but it is connected to some personal things, deep grief in our life, uh, deep um, injustice. Uh, It's a great resource for people that have been wronged, where you look at a situation and go, this is wrong, it's not fair. Maybe you've been hurt by a pastor or been betrayed by friends. All of the pain, anything that causes pain, uh, this resource will be good for you. I know God will use it. He's used it already, and I just know the Holy Spirit is in it. So please pick it up. Uh, I know it'll bless you, and I would encourage you to get it as a gift, too. Uh, the Lord will use it in everyone that would choose to read it. I'm, I'm pretty confident of that. When you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more, ask for a copy of God's Help for the Troubled Heart. Call now, 877-30-GRACE. You can also order it on Amazon. Glad you've taken time out for our study in Daniel. We'll pick up where we left off next time we get together on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.